Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, If you would like to get, get in, we do have a few interviews today. We'll be talking to Koki Riley at 915 like we normally do. And then Karen Crow High head football coach Tony Corville about 1015. Other than those two segments, if you would like to call in, certainly feel free to do so on the game hotline 706-0111 on this glorious Wednesday morning. I say glorious because not only did the Astros win last night to win another series, they play a day game this afternoon. Actually, they play about noon, not that long after. Uh, we get off the air here in a couple hours, but um, not only did they win, but El Pedro Grande hit a home run. El Pedro Grande hit a double. He's is he starting to wake up? I mean, it's hard to know. Baseball so such a weird sport, but but it's hard to know. But I'm hoping he's he's waking up. They need it. Icky hit another home run. Icky, what does he have? About 95 RBIs, I think, unless he drove in another run last night. I'm not thinking of, but I think he has 95 RBIs. And, you know, if he stays healthy, he's going to get over 100. It's pretty, pretty, pretty nice season for Icky, especially when you consider he had a long slump in the middle of there. Yuli hit his first home run in two months. Over two months, two and a half months. Think about that. He ain't hit a home run since July the 1st, Yuli, which is amazing to me. He plays at home. Like, use the Crawford boxes, Cat. I mean, I just, I don't get it. But anyway, um, so look, I, it's not really that important to me that Yuli hit a bunch of home runs, but it is important that he that he get more base hits and, and, and stop popping up, which is what he's done all season. It's unbelievable how many pop-ups that guy has this year. It's unbelievable. But hopefully he fixes it. It's been a long, grueling, patient ride with Yuli this season after winning the batting title. He's, I didn't think someone at his age would have a medicine season, but, boy, is he, is he having one. And again, you never want to do really big historic things. You want to stay away from that stuff. You know, big awards, major, you just want to stay away from all that. junk. It's hard to follow up on that stuff. Even for someone who's, what, 37 or whatever he is. Um, and so that, that that is good, Hunter Brown. It's always funny to me. You see a headline. Hunter Brown gave up three runs yesterday, which is not awful. Nothing. It's okay. But it's all he shined. Well, he shined because the Astros scored six. If the Astros had scored one, the headline would not have been Hunter Brown shined. I, that stuff always cracks me up. But anyway. um, 
706-0111. So uh, the Yankees got a big win last night, kind of a crazy finish. Why people keep throwing, putting the ball on the tee for Aaron Judge, I just don't get it. Like they just, he's it's unbelievable what percentage of balls he hits over the fence when put on a tee. There's no doubt about it. And, and nobody else when they put him on a tee that many times would hit that many home runs. I mean, it, it's it's there's no it's incredible how few pitches he misses compared to everyone else. But why put so I mean it seems like not all of them but like the home run he hit the second home I mean, it's like the, it's right what are you throwing the ball right over the middle of the plate for? It's unbelievable. I I don't know how he's hitting all these home runs. There's no way I'd pitch throw those guy that guy pitches like that. No way. No way. I don't get it. But it's almost like guys are like, you know what? If he hits this historic home run, my name's going to be there. Well, that ain't how I would play that deal. But anyway, um, but a big win for them. Padre, the Brewers won and the Padres won. So they're, they're still separated by two games. That might end up being the most interesting race, that in the American League Central, which most people just laugh at. But, you know, some of us are not elitists like that. But it's... um. I think the most interesting race it looks like with half of what two to three weeks left of the season could be the, the that third wild card between well we're gonna say right now the Padres and the Brewers but who knows the Phillies are only a couple games ahead of that so it, who knows where we're gonna be two or three weeks from now going into the final weekend of the season so We've got that going on. And then today's Wednesday. And so in football season, to me, Wednesday is a weird day because you kind of, the weekend's kind of behind, the previous game is kind of behind you. Like on Monday and even yesterday, you kind of rode the wave of the win. I mean, again, you, you, the, the Saints were miserable. It was a miserable performance. The offense was miserable. The defense was miserable. The special teams were not good. The coaching was miserable. Everything, it was a it was a pathetic performance. But they won, and so you just, you still got that win. And um, I don't, I'm not a big, oh, look at the Falcons. I, mean, I don't play all that. I mean, I, 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 I appreciate sports. It sounds crazy because I love sports rivalries and I love sports hatred. I just don't hate the Falcons as much as most Saints fans do. I, I just my hatred goes towards many other teams, not the Falcons. Um, and I don't like them, and I don't ever pull for them. But I just don't hate them in the and 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 the whole making fun you twenty eight three and all that silliness. I don't ever I don't ever even think that. I don't ever even think that way. I, 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 no, I don't. But so I don't. I, I just get the pleasure from the wins. But once you get to Wednesday, you start to think of the game coming up, not a little more than the game you just left. And you know, we we, we do uh, we like to do nicknames on this show. So you know what I'm thinking about. Today, it hit me this morning in my frustration thinking about the stupid NFL. And look, I love the Saints, but the NFL drives me bonkers. 
I, I don't like most of its rules. I don't like the way they change rules. There's so much about the NFL that just drives me crazy. And one of them is the Saints playing arguably their most important game of the season in week two. I mean, that's just ignorant to me. And so I'm thinking I'm going to start calling the NFL NASCAR. Let's just call it NASCAR. Because like NASCAR, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know hardly anything about NASCAR, but I know this, or at least I think I knew know this, that they have their biggest race at the beginning of the season. They play their Super Bowl right off the bat. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't know enough about NASCAR to know, you know, why that makes sense for them, but I don't even really care why that makes sense for NASCAR. I just care about in the NFL, this is ignorant. It's ignorant for the Chargers to be playing the Chiefs, which could end up being, we've been talking, we spent the whole offseason talking about how great the AFC West is, could be one of, I mean, we don't know, but it could be one of the five most significant games played in the NFL all season, and you're going to play it on week two on a Thursday night. I mean, does I mean, I know all you people are just, you know, like a bunch of saps who just the NFL tells you something, so you believe it, and that this is a great thing that the NFL does. They put the division games at the beginning and at the end. So, you know, in the NFC, Saints Bucks could be one of the couldn't could very well end up being one of the five biggest games played in the, in the NFC this year. We're gonna play it in week two in preseason. A pre week one and week two, and you could argue week three. Those are preseason games that count. The teams don't, the players don't even know their names yet of their teammates. Uh, it's just drives me bonkers. And so I, I just so today I started figuring out. I started trying to figure out in my little scrambled, muddled mind right now, like, who is this? Who gets the advantage in this matchup? You got the Saints who just comes off come off a miserable performance, just played terrible in every area of the game. Um, obviously in full fledged preseason mode, unless they're about to be an awful team, and I just don't believe that. And then you have the Yucks who, you know, Brady missed the time, and we've heard about that over and over again. And they kind of, they won the game, and they didn't totally dominate. I've heard some people, I followed the game on my phone pretty regularly, but I didn't actually watch the game. But I've heard people that watched the game that said he looked a little rusty at times. And again, that's natural. It's preseason football. The games just count. Um, And so I I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that they're a little rusty. They've got, they've, you know, we've heard over and over again about their little offensive line issues health-wise. So I don't know that one team has a big advantage in week two of NASCAR. Uh, in this matchup, but it, it's very worrisome. I mean, it's just, it's very worrisome. All right, let's take a, 
Let's go to the game hotline before we get to our first break and, and talk LSU football with Koki. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Is there anybody anywhere that has ever offered an explanation for the ludicrousy of the Chargers and the Chiefs on a Thursday night Week two? That's just the most ridiculous thing ever. Kevin. Could be. It, I, I just, it's so I awful. couldn't believe it when I, first of all, you know, I, I don't really look at everybody's schedule, but I'm sitting now watching NFL Network this morning, and they're talking about the game, and I'm thinking, huh, yeah, man, God, I can't believe they're playing this early in the season. That's ridiculous. Just like the Saints and Bucks. Then they, talk, they start talking about tomorrow night, and I, which even adds Fuel to the fire of the stupidity that you're going to play these cats on a Thursday night. Now, mind you, I mean, first of all, let me just say, as a former football person, it's the most ridiculous thing to get in a car wreck on Sunday and come back and get in another car wreck on Thursday. Hypocritical NASCAR. They they suspended Casper the Quitter for a year because they worried about some stupid lawsuit that never happened. Right. And, and right. then because exactly. they so so they say play, worried about player safety, they, they play all these Thursday, Thursday games. Three days. Oh. Three days after they 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 slam and kill each other. If you ever been in a football game? After you slam your body recklessly, and these guys are not some 120-pound guys. These are just animals slamming into each other. Play them on Thursday night to start with is the stupidest thing in the world. It borders on uh, uh, cruelty, I mean. but And then you go play this game on Thursday. I, I, I would love to just be able to go into a room. Well, I, I think I think the reason why they're doing it this time is because they got this, you know, all this new streaming junk. So Amazon Prime or whatever it's called, I don't even know, understand what any of that is. It's doing Thursday night football, so they want to, you know, NASCAR wants to give them the Daytona 500 right off the bat. Stupid right, NASCAR. Right, exactly, exactly. It, it, Stupid. It, it's all money, but man. It, Nothing it, about justice. So they don't ever worry about justice. That's why I hate NASCAR. They, it has not, their rules are not about justice. The schedule's not about justice. They're just a bunch of lawless idiots. That's what NASCAR is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very, very, uh, you know, just very disheartening. I, I'm, it's I'm, awful. I just I can't, I, I, I can't understand it. Yes. All right, Kevin. Uh, hey, that, but listen, you had donuts, man. You got to perk up. And said you had donuts. Well, I had two. Uh, well, uh, two donut holes. I had. Well, actually, two. But one of them was like morphed two into one, so I had a two for one special. Well, so I really yeah, kind of had got, three donut when that, holes. When that goes into your mouth, you got to have some happiness going on for a while. Even you had to overcome this silliness, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. It's so I, hard. I, the I NFL NASCAR just ruins my day constantly with frustration. Because they do nothing that I agree with. Hardly anything. Thank you, Manny. Appreciate the call. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back, shift gears, talk some LSU football with Koki Riley next on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana.
welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're on for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you about Dickie's Barbecue Pit. It's an it's time for another two for one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. You could purchase a forty dollar voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for just twenty dollars. So you get forty dollars of food, barbecue. Mashed potatoes, uh, macaroni and cheese, whatever you like at Dickie's Barbecue, you can get it for half the price. KDNADeals.com today, you get a $40 voucher. Dickie's Barbecue for only $20. All right, we have with us Cokie Riley from the USA Today Network. How are you, sir? Doing great. How's it going? Well, uh, I don't know. Did. You know, those games when LSU plays Southern, I guess you could say it's a feel-good game, but did you get any sense that any progress is really made in a game like that? My default is no. I'm not saying no progress was definitely made, but if if you had to put a gun to my head, I'd say no for kind of the exact reason that you said. I mean, Southern was just so overwhelmed and overmatched in that game that I have trouble believing that any like any real real progress was made um I, there were some interesting schematic tweaks here and there that that could help out in a game like miss against an opponent like Mississippi State but I think for the most part um it's just sort of a feel better about yourself sort of game I remember when we previewed, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, the SEC some, and there was some pretty good respect given to Mississippi State. Through two games, they completely thrashed Memphis. Um, and then, you know, they it was fairly close with Arizona going into the fourth quarter, but they pull away 39-17. Are they even a little better than maybe you were thinking or about what you were thinking so far through two games? Um, I'd say roughly the same. Uh, I, I, I didn't expect them to thrash Memphis as badly as they did. Um, Arizona's an up-and-coming team that I don't think isn't, isn't a bad team, to be honest. Uh, last year, they were a very, very bad team. But this year, I think they're, they're um, progressing in the right, the, right, the right direction. But at the same time, I think Mississippi State should beat those two teams and beat them fairly easily. And, they, and they've done what, they've, what they should do, even if, um, their first two games, on average, have been a little tougher than uh, what most teams' first two non-con non-con games are. Uh, but anyway, I, yeah, I, I'm very high on this Mississippi State team. They have a lot of returning veterans. Uh, Will Rogers is one of the more underappreciated quarterbacks, not just in the SEC but also in the country. Um, and I, I think their veteran experience really matters, just given the systems that they play on both sides outside of the ball, especially on offense, where you need to be so precise. You need to play with a certain pace, and you you need to have that have a very very strong chemistry between the quarterbacks, the receivers, the offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, just because of that very um, unique system and specific air rate system that they run. Because when everything's on on time and on target with with ever, with all eleven guys in the field, especially with the quarterback, that's when it gets really 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 hard to stop. So. I, I, I just feel like this is they are kind of in the opposite situation that LSU is in. They are a veteran team that's played with each other a whole ton and that plays a very 
uh, unique brand of football. And that's sort of the opposite of LSU at the moment. Again, we're speaking with Koki Riley and me personally. Uh, I just think it's it's the ultimate in irony that Mike Leach has a quarterback named Will Rogers. But anyway, that's just me. So, um, as out of space as Mike Leach is most of the time. So, you know, it is what are you? How worried are you? Because I would think very worried in this matchup. If LSU doesn't run the ball better. It seemed like that could be a real problem here. Yeah, it, in this it could matchup. be. And I think what you're sort of trying to get at is if they don't keep the ball long enough themselves and run the ball a fair amount, then then Mike Leach's offense is going to be on the field a ton. And it's just going to be a field day for Mississippi State. Right. Is that what you're yes, trying to get at? Right. Yeah, yeah. And – yeah, I would tend to agree with you. Um, they're going to need to run the ball better. They're just going to run. They're just going to need to have a pretty efficient offense, and they're going to need to put to put together some pretty uh, fairly long drives. Because as Brian Kelly noted this week already, that your offense needs to be, needs to be married to your defense in a game like this. Um, they need to be in sync. They need to help each other out, especially when you're facing a team that's willing to play as quickly and is, and can be as explosive as Mississippi State's offense is. So uh, it, it, if the offense and the defense are on the same track in this game, then I, I feel like that's really going to help out um, uh, LSU. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see. The way most teams practice in 2022 – to me, it's very understandable that tackling in the first couple games can be a little, you know, what you'd call substandard, and that tackling is going to get better as the season goes on. And again, here we are again. I, I, I think they're going to need a tackle very well um, in the secondary, especially if they're going to win this game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mississippi State, they're going to complete a lot of passes in this game. Um, that, that doesn't mean I, I or anyone else has, doesn't have a lot of faith in this LSU secondary. It's just the way Mississippi State plays when they, when they throw the ball. Not only throw the ball so much, but it's a lot of short passes. It's a lot of dinks and dunks. Um, and it comes at you fast and furious. So you're just going to give up a lot of completions in this game. But it's turning those three, four, five-yard passes only into three, four, five-yard passes. You can't. You can't uh, let their playmakers turn and burn um, and, and turn those into bigger gains. So uh, tackling is going to be really, really huge in this game. And LSU is going to have to be kind of light years better than they were against Florida State. Uh, I was watching some of the Florida State game yesterday, and that was um, one of the things that obviously stood out again. It was just LSU's lack of tackling in that game. Um, even though I thought the scheme Matt House was running was very – and some of the plays he was calling was very – uh, they were very creative, especially for a first game, and the execution was was there a lot of the times, just in terms of guys overlapping and blitzing at the right time, and um, and really the plays working. But a lot of the times, uh, the plays couldn't be finished off because either Jordan Travis made a really good play, which credit to him, or it, it was LSU's tackling that just failed them. And I I, I have a feeling that that could. Uh, that could really come to haunt them in this game if they don't, they just don't, if they don't fix it up, um, if they just don't fix it. All right. So did you, I'm glad you said you rewatched the game. So 
and again, I saw the game, but I haven't rewatched it. But I, I didn't. The the one play where they where they burned Gardner was bad. But other than that, I didn't think the actual covering skills of LSU secondary was as bad as I was expecting to be for the first game. How, how did you see that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I thought LSU's cornerback room was maybe the best unit on the on the defense that day which is something I really didn't expect to say. I thought Colby Richardson had a couple nice plays. I think Mikai Gardner played really, really well in that game. Um, Jark Bernard Converse gave up, a, gave up some receptions, but for the but he didn't really get burned that much. Um, they were playing pretty soft coverage in that game, so they were giving up a lot of five, six, seven-yard passes underneath, and sometimes they would, those, those passes would turn into 10 yards if the receiver would turn it upfield. Um, so they were playing pretty soft coverage in that game, which is part of the reason why I think Florida State was able to convert so many third downs, especially third shorts. Um, but they didn't really give up much deep. You know, it was a pretty conservative uh, outlet in terms of that. And I think a lot of the pressure and aggressiveness came in the front within the front seven, where they were running all these sort of all these design blitzes, and um, it, it was kind of interesting to see just how aggressive Matt House was at times. Um, and a lot of the times those design blitzes would work. But, again, it was just a lack of tackling or Travis's elusiveness or Travis just getting rid of the ball in time. And those, those pressures just never never ended up working out. And I don't think it had anything to do with the scheming or, or really the coaching. It would just have to come down to simply execution. But do you expect that Will Rod that Will I kind of think Will Rogers is going to get rid of the ball quicker, not be so much delaying, yeah. not so many uh, extending plays kind of situations? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Rogers is a pretty good athlete, but he's not quite Jordan Travis. Um, and but at the same time, he gets the ball out so quickly, and they're going to run such a quick tempo that uh, LSU is probably not going to be as aggressive with blitzing. Um, I, I think they're going to mix up mix up their uh, uh, mix up their coverages and mix up their looks in this game quite a bit. LSU is just because you kind of need to do that against the, this sort of Mississippi State offense, and especially with how quickly they run. Because if you're just stuck in the same thing, or you have a one dimensional defense, they're going to pick you apart because they have they have it's a simple offense because they throw the ball a ton in a way, and they, they run pretty similar formations all the time. Um, but at the same time, they have a lot of different they they have a lot of different answers to the test. Pretty much, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be important for LSU to sort of mix things up. And, and Brian Kelly certainly talked about this this week already. All right. So on the other side, and again, we're speaking with Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. So, what about the other side? What about what, 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 how do you like LSU's offensive matchup against what Mississippi State is going to do defensively? Yeah, um, with LSU's offense, they're going up against a pretty, pretty talented three-three-five defense. Um, I, I look at a, uh, I, 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 I look at a guy like Tyus Wheat, and I, I think that uh, he he could be a game wrecker for them, uh, just given how many different different spots in the field that. Uh, he can be deployed at, but you know it, it's this LSU offense. I mean, the key again just going to be um, continuity and, and making sure that offensive line plays well enough, and 
and making sure Jaden Daniels keeps his eyes down the field when he's when he's uh, scrambling around outside the pocket. Uh, it's yeah, I mean, I, I I think this is a usually Mike Leach teams they they live and die on the sword by their defenses, right? Because you know the offense is going to have that uh, very advanced scheme, but. The Mississippi State defense is pretty good, and, and they got a lot better as the season went along last year, and they bring a lot of guys back this season. So uh, it, it's going to be a challenge for this LSU offense because it's not like this, this Mississippi State defense is, isn't complex either. I mean, they run a 3-3-5, but guys are moving around all over the place there. So it's going to be interesting to see. Do you kind of anticipate that they're going to do a better job than Florida State did at keeping Daniels from hurting him with his legs, or is that just going to be tough to do? Yeah, um, that's that, that's a tough that's a tough ask for any sort of for any defense. Um, I, I think you could very well see see that see Mississippi State have a spy or or two spies in this game. But if you're doing that, you're also taking away some help in the middle of the field for your your cornerbacks in your secondary, right? Because that means it's going to be a little little less zone. I mean, it, you're going to have to run probably more zone coverage, and in that case, you're giving up some open lanes for some of their some of LSU's top receivers. So I, I it, it, it'll be interesting to see what sort of balance. Mississippi State has defensively uh, because, yes, they have the veteran players to, to definitely match up in this game, but LSU probably is the better athletes and when you're talking about LSU's offense matching up against Mississippi State's defense. So um, that that tends, that tends makes you tend to think that they're going to run a lot of man, run a lot of zone in this game for that reason, but I, I don't know how much you want to lean into that too, too much either. So it's it's yeah, I mean, Mississippi State definitely has some questions to answer um, when it comes to their defense against LSU's offense. All right, so I know it's early in the season. We're just in mid-September, but it just seemed – is there any – it seemed like a huge game for LSU. One, in the court of public opinion, and two, just in what can be accomplished this season. Is there is, is there any way to put too much stock and too much importance into this game, or do you think it's that that important? Um, I think it's fairly important. I think it's a little bit more important than most third games. Uh, but at the same time, if they lose this game, I don't think it sinks their season. I don't think it uh, declares that they're going to be a three or four win team. I don't think it does any of that. Uh, I, I, personally, I, I think they're going to lose this game um, just because I, I just think the matchup's really bad for them this week. Uh, but they just need to show progress from the Mississippi, from the Florida State game. If they can just play a cleaner brand of football and and just look a lot more functional on both sides of sides of the ball, especially on offense, then that that to me will be considered as progress. This team just needs to play better week after week after week. What because they really need to do is not get a kick blocked. That too, like yeah, stuff like that, for yeah. example. Uh, That's what they really know, can, need to do. Can they play competent special teams against a similarly talented opponent? Can they play competent offense and not have to rely on their running quarterback on every single play in the first half? You know, can they get off the field on third down to a respectable degree? Like this stuff, like this sounds very simple, and I'm lowering the bar. You, you may think I'm lowering the bar way too low for this team, but. 
I think the season's going to be about how much better are they at the end of it than they were at the beginning. You know, and that will show real progress with the Brian Kelly era. It's not going to be, you know, can they get the 10 wins or can they get to 11 wins? I, I think that's kind of unrealistic, especially when you're in the SEC. I, I think they'll still definitely get to a bowl game. But at the same time, it, I, I think the, like the real like the real measure stick of what a successful season is for LSU is progress week in and week out. And I think this is going to be a very good test in terms of testing how much better this team has gotten over the last couple of weeks. I agree. We'll have a lot more to sink our teeth into when we speak next week. Thank you for your time as always, sir. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me again, Kevin. Take care. Koki Riley of the LSU, I'm sorry, of the USA Today Network. Um, no, I think how the, he mentioned the spy thing, how they do that, um, is going to be a big key to this game and LSU tackling in the secondary is going to be another huge thing in this game to me. I, I, those, those are two critical parts of this matchup and, you know, I, I agree. I I don't think this is going to be an easy game for LSU to win. So we'll see how. That plays out. All right, we will take a timeout, come back with more on the first hour of this glorious Wednesday morning on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Before we get back to it, want to remind you to head over to the Acadiana Bar and Grill. Located at 327 Iberia Street, Youngsville, on Saturday. Hang out with the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Our friend Hannah, Hannah Five Names, will be there from noon to one, giving away tickets for Cajuns, football games, for Tiger football games. Swing by and register. Talk with Hannah. She can tell you how she likes chocolate donuts with sprinkles on them. Chocolate donuts with sprinkles on them. Uh, I would not choose that, but, uh, you know, as they say, to each their own. Um, but, no, she will. you'll get to spin the prize wheel and be able to win tickets for Cajuns and LSU football games. This Saturday from noon to 1, the Cadiana Bar and Grill in Youngsville. All right. Um, if you have any comments on what, Koki said, um, I, I, I agree with most things that Koki said as far as the football analysis, but I think there are a lot of LSU fans who are not going to agree with him on the importance of this game. Now, that doesn't mean either side's correct. I mean, theoretically, it's possible. I don't really believe it, but it's possible the LSU could lose to Mississippi State and run the table after that. I don't really think that's going to happen. But I guess it's theoretically possible. I mean, they um, LSU was miserable last year. They almost beat Alabama. So a lot can happen. But um, it was 
I think that there's going to be a lot of alarm. And that's why I use the word in the court of public opinion. If LSU loses this game, I think there's going to be a lot of very angry people, especially if they get another kick block. I, again, losing is one thing because, you know, if they lose, I'm just throwing out a number, 28-27 because they play okay and the Mississippi State comes down at the end and hits this touchdown and win the game. They're going to be upset. But if you lose because you get another kick blocked in a close game, I, I, that might push everyone off the edge. But it, anyway, uh, so, you know, I, I think – it's going to be important to win in the court of public opinion, but to Koki's point, because he kind of mentioned it, it's about at least look better, at least do better in certain areas than 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 was considered inexcusable. I heard that word inexcusable a lot um, after the Florida State loss, so we'll see how that goes. Since we last spoke yesterday, there was a development in Saints camp. The Saints signed former running back Latavius Murray to the practice squad. Well, first of all, I'm still trying to figure out why they get rid of Latavius Murray. And the answer, if your answer is Tony Jones, eh, I disagree. No, that's the answer, theoretically, but I don't think that was a good move. I don't think Tony Jones is very good. I'm not high on Tony Jones as most of you are. So I, I'm not a big, uh, I was not a big, if you remember, not at all a big fan of the idea of, of cutting Latavius Murray. Now, you know, over a year later, I really think that I would, I mean, I I don't know what to think about it is what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know. I'm hoping it works. The pro, as long as 41's there, I think I would, I wish they'd call him up and run him. Really, I know most of a lot of you disagree with me on that. But the problem is if 41 doesn't play, Z28, let's just say he doesn't play in this game or any game, and your two running backs are Murray and Superman, both bigger more plotters, and who in the world is going to catch the ball at the backfield and make someone miss? That's not really what Murray, I mean, he can catch the ball because he's executed screens before, but but he can he can maybe do it in the screen game, but he's not really going to help you that much just throwing him at the backfield, making that first guy miss and trying to get six, seven, eight yards. So I don't know. That's why I wanted the playmaker. But, um, but we'll see how, how it works out. Look. I'm certainly happy that they got a veteran running back at their disposal. Hopefully they don't need him uh, as much as, you know, I think they need him anytime soon, but it's very possible. Now, with all of that said, if you remember any of the time that we've talked about the Saints versus the Yucks in recent years, if there's ever a game that I think the Saints can survive, have a better or just as good a chance without Z28. It's when they play the Bucks because the Bucks linebackers are so good. They essentially take Z28 out of the game every time they play them. When the Saints have success offensively against the Yucks, and and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. It's with the passing game. And if you remember that game where they crushed their face uh, last year, no, was that two? No, two years ago. 
Uh, when they beat him in Tampa last year, it was you know all defense. It was it was the ugliest game. You know, it was an ugly game, but it was beautiful if you love crushing Tom Brady's little face. Um, but when they crushed him two years ago, they they did it with a passing game. Boom, boom, boom. It really wasn't about Z twenty eight. It was about you know they threw the tight ends and receivers. They got rid of the ball and they 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 you know they just kind of peppered them all over the field. Used a bunch of different receivers and they just they just. You know, they just it was an onslaught of a passing game. All right, let's go. And that's what they've got to do again if they're going to do it. Um, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Yes. Hey, I'm calling about the future of LSU with uh, uh, between like Daniels and Howard. If we are building towards a national championship, uh, I'm not sure Daniels is a man, and we need to find out if possibly how it is because I don't think none there is. Well, I, I have had that thought. Why? I, I, I just think LSU is so they're wanting to win more. I, I still think I still think Howard is the best quarterback that they have. But is he? It, does he need to wait more and more year? I'm I, I'm sure. I guess that's you know that's the wise thing to do. But I, I've wondered the same thing before. But no, I, you know, you're not going to be contending for a national championship with Jaden Daniels at quarterback. I agree with you there. But they, you also might win more games this year with Jane Daniels at quarterback, and I'm sure that's what they're thinking. But I mean, are we playing for this year, or are we playing for the future and national championship? That, that's, I thought Brian Kelly came here to win a national championship. I I, I get your point. Yeah, I get your point. I I don't know. I, I look. I'm I'm more. I got to tell you, as a fan of the team, I want to win now. I think most of us are win now guys. But I certainly get your point. If you were thinking, well, they're not winning any national championships this year, and you're really going to build for the future, I think that would be a better move. I, I'm with you. But I I think most LSU fans want to try to win as many games as possible now. And I can see where they would say, especially with this offensive line, you got a better chance of winning more games with Daniels than you do a true freshman. I get your point, and I appreciate uh, your answer. All right. Thank you for the call, sir, very much. No, I've had that thought. Isn't Walker really the best quarterback? Just play him and go and start the process now. Maybe we're biased because, you know, I saw him play at STM, and I thought he was really, really, really good. Um, uh, and so, so being a local product, maybe we're a little biased, but I have had that thought, but I understand what they're doing as well. I mean, uh, you, you play the veteran guy and, uh, you need his running ability, um, with offensive line question marks. So that part makes sense too. I guess it depends on what your expectations are. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to the footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And speaking of the Astros, if you would like to win four tickets to Astros versus Rays on Saturday, October the 1st, that you first of all, you need to join the Game Club Rewards Club. And if you do, you're eligible for this great prize. That also includes hotel accommodations that Saturday evening, a tour of Minute Maid Park again, and those four tickets to the game. Rays versus Astros. This is the last Astro weekend getaway, always powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
All right, we only got about a minute left in this first hour. We'll have a big news announcement, sports news announcement in the next hour. Um, and we will um, let you know about that in the next hour. Something just hit my mind that I uh, messed up on, so we'll, we'll we'll try to clean that up as well. But anyway, uh, it we are looking into um, a big week of of. Football. I mentioned this yesterday. Saints Yucks. We we haven't really gotten into that, and we're gonna talk to in the next on tomorrow. We're gonna talk to Luke about that, and and I'm trying. I haven't really wrapped my mind around that matchup yet. I've started this morning, and I don't. I'm just confused. Really, is what I am. So trying to figure that out. But um, anyway. We will do kind of hit the ground running on more Saints matchup tomorrow after doing LSU today and, and, and the Cajuns yesterday. That'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Into footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, home of the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. I said we would have a big announcement, and we are, um, uh uh-oh, someone's trying to tell me something here. Oh, okay, no. All right, big announcement is we uh, at right about 10 o'clock, which is right now, it is time all around the state. People will be releasing the information of the new Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame class. And here's a list of this year's class that's going to be inducted. It's later. It's going to be in July this next summer instead of June. Um but it's a pretty star-studded list. Uh, it includes Elena Beard. Uh, if you're not a women's basketball fan, if you never watched much women's basketball at all, you may not know Elena Beard. Just trust me. She was really, really, really good. I saw her play in high school, and she was a cut above, and um, she was really good after that too. So, um, Paul Bird, former LSU pitcher, he was – you know, a huge part of building LSU's success in the early part of the 90s. Uh, covered him quite a bit when Lyle was playing. Uh, Mouton was playing at LSU. And um, in those early years of the Skip Bertman years, he and Chad Ogier both made it to the major leagues, had long major league careers, and they were the one-two punch. Walter Davis, great name. Now, for those of you who are my age, you remember Walter Davis being number six, played for played at North Carolina, played basketball for the Phoenix Suns, but uh, uh, an incredible athlete at Beauchene. I remember covering him as a basketball player, playing for Coach Singh at Beauchene, and uh, went on to have an enormous track career and Olympics and national championships and stuff. So 
uh, Walter Davis, uh, he would be the most local of all of these. I want to say he was from Leonville, but I don't know exactly what town he was from for sure, but I know he went to Boshing High School and then ended up as a track star at LSU. Wendell Davis, most of you football fans will know him, uh, had the tragic injury uh, at Veterans Stadium, but was a great wide receiver at LSU. Matt Forte, Matt Forte had a tremendous career at Tulane and went on and had a really nice NFL career. And I think a lot of people don't realize how many yards and stats Matt Forte put up. And, you know, he may not be the first one that comes to mind when we talk about great running backs out of the state of Louisiana. But, again, he had a tremendous career at Tulane. And Tulane's not exactly a football factory. And uh, he went on to put up a lot of yards and a lot of receiving yards. He was – not ahead of his time, but a little bit. I mean, a lot of running backs now do both things, and he kind of did that, you know, a lot. Uh, Paul Maneri is a former baseball coach at LSU, obviously. Walter Imahara, he is a guy who also local roots played it. Well, I said played. He was a weightlifter and was on what then it was called SLI, but basically UL, um, National Championship weightlifting team, and an incredible story. Um, that will be told between now and when he's inducted next. Eli Manning, I mean, you know, it's it, every once in a while you get people who, you know, it. You just when you when you hear that they're up, you just know they're going to get voted in. And, and and Eli was one of them, of course. I, you know, um, you know, there might be some discussion whether he's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame or not. Although I think he will be. Uh, but there was no, there was not a whole lot of debate or anti. Well, he shouldn't be in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Certainly deserves that as a two-time Super Bowl champion and played all them years starting quarterback for the Giants. So Eli Manning is in Ron Washington, and we have talked about Ron Washington on this show uh, with our friend Walter Guillory from the Recreation and Parks, and he is good buddies with Ron Washington. He has brought Ron to Lafayette to speak more than once and to talk to kids and stuff. So he's currently the third-base coach at the Atlanta Braves and was formerly the manager of the Texas Rangers and took him to the World Series and considered by many the best fielding coach in all of Major League Baseball. I mean, I guess that's a matter of opinion, but um, yes, that is... Um, and then one more, M.L. Woodruff, who is a long time, won a lot of state championships as a high school baseball coach at Parkview Baptist in Baton Rouge. So pretty nice list there. Pretty nice list, pretty star-studded list uh, that's going to be going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame um, next summer. But we normally, you the vote takes place in August, and, you know, we normally wait, a, I don't know, it was three weeks or whatever it was until they announce it. And then and then there will be functions between now and then. But the big ceremony is always the following summer. So look forward to that. Just wanted to release that information. All right. Again, we will be talking some high school football in the next segment with Karen Crow coach Tony Corville. Um. But now, if you would like to call in, uh, any opinions on that class or any opinions on LSU football from our Cokie Riley interview the last hour, Saints or anything else going on, Major League Baseball, certainly 
feel free to do that. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We'll talk more about the other games in the NFL uh, probably tomorrow, maybe, and certainly on Friday. Again, um, I guess if you're just a fan and you just like really good matchups and you don't care about you know, the where they it fits into the overall schedule and whether it's fair and all that. Uh, get, you know, just really enjoy this matchup tomorrow from a fantasy standpoint. It is, um, wow. When you look at all the potential fantasy players you might play for the Chiefs, and it's tricky. It was tricky going into last um, week. Week one for the Chiefs. They put up what they score 44 points. So they obviously have some fa- some fantasy possibilities. But they also have an injured kicker. I don't know what his situation is. And he's one of the better kickers in the league. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you have Mahomes, you're, 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 you're going to play him. Um, I have Juju Schmidt-Schuster, who did okay, but kind of got nicked up. Um, you know, if you drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he, he scored two touchdowns, but he he's pretty touchdown dependent. So I don't really know what to think of the Chiefs. And then the and then the Chargers was kind of unique as well. Quarterback did fine. Williams didn't do anything. And so uh kind of a, a an interesting fantasy matchup, but a really interesting football matchup and the one good thing the the I think it's kind of advantage Chiefs because the you know it's a football game is a football game to Manny's point a lot of collision a lot of hard things happening but that was a pretty finesse game with the Cardinals at least the parts of it that I saw and and you know it wasn't real stressful for for the Chiefs I mean they just obliterated the little Cardinals I you know, I don't know what to think of the Cardinals because normally their M.O. is they start out fast and then they slow down at the end. And that's been the big criticism of them and Cliff Kingsbury's teams in general going back to college. Well, they got their faces crushed at home in week one, and now they're going to the Raiders who just got who just lost a game where Carr threw three picks. You kind of think they might bounce back. At home, because, I mean, one of those two teams is going to be 0-2 and not not looking good. I mean, we talk about surviving the AFC West race, but 0-2 is not a good way to survive the the AFC West race. So this is a huge game for the Raiders. Now, again, they played a really good Chargers team in Week 1, and we'll see what that really good Charger team does against the Chiefs. But, man... Uh, the the NFL, the NFL schedule can be cruel, and that is a that is not an easy matchup. Like on again, it's not college football, so anybody can beat you. But in like look at the Broncos, man, they had a rough week. Not only did they lose on the road on Monday night, but they had a rookie head coach, and he is getting hammered from all angles. So. Their week two matchup is at home against the Texans. Now, again, the Texans are better, I, I, I'm convinced, and I was pretty convinced going in, better than 
the most of the country thinks they are. I think a lot of people think they're like a bottom laughing stock. They were better than a laughing stock team last year. And I think they're going to be even a little better than that this year. So I don't think they're just awful. But still, at home against the the Texans, I think they'd have a better chance of winning than like the Cardinals who got crushed their first game and now they got to go to the Raiders. So we'll see how, how that plays out. All right. I was kind of hoping to for this caller yesterday just to figure out where his mind was after week one of the NFL season. But um, better today than never. Certainly want to go back to the game hotline, talk to our friend Dwight. How are you, sir? What's going on, brother Kale? Man, you tell me what's going on. I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, it's week one. I always say it's preseason the first two or three games, uh, but that did not look like a pretty performance on Sunday. Well, uh, watching it, I don't, I don't know, Kevin. I don't know what to think. Um, I know that our offensive line not that good because we did lose three starters. So I mean, I, I mean, I know they they shuffling up that a little bit, but soon as Mitchell went out, it's like we couldn't run the ball well. So I, I, he out for two months. So I, I don't know now. I, I mean, it's like the backups didn't really do good, and when they put Debo back there, he did well, but they stopped running running the ball in the second half with him. So I, I, I don't know what's going on with that. So I don't know, Kevin. I just know that. The schedule we have coming up, Seattle, Denver, then, like, uh, the Rams. Man, if we owe man, I don't know what they go do. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, because you can't leave Jimmy on the bench, a healthy Jimmy. I, I don't know. I just think with Jimmy there, they're going to have to do something. I mean, you don't want to go 0-4, Kevin. Oh, no, I don't think that's going to happen. So, wait. So, I, I, one of my, I don't know, he's either my, I think he was the last running back I picked, my sixth running back. I drafted Jeff Wilson thinking because of his history, there'd be a pretty good chance that Eliza Mitchell would, would get injured. So, are you telling me Wilson looks terrible and I shouldn't play him? No. Um, I don't know why he didn't get more carries. And it's just, he start. I know he's starting Sunday because Shannon already had his first time. He's starting on Sunday. So the thing about that is I think it was more the the weather than anything. On for, I mean, both teams, because we better than the Chicago. I know that. It's just I just think the weather just got us. I mean, it, it, we just could nobody could do what they want to do. And when we our safeties lost the assignment on the field and the, the touchdown they had, it was just it's, the safety was, I mean, it was just crazy. It was just one of them plays. It's just, I guess I'm looking at the game like, oh, well, that's one L. I don't want to lose, but it is what it is. I'm just hoping that we play better against Seattle. It's no excuse. Not going to be that kind of was in Frisco. And if they if they look like that in Frisco, then I don't know. All right. One more thing before we got, I got to let you go. Are you worried about Trey Lance yet or it's too early to worry about him? Um, no, I'm just going to rock. I got to rock with the front office, Kevin. I mean, what we go do? I mean, you know how that is. We don't, we don't agree with everything. I just felt that if you have Jimmy on the roster, I just feel that he better than Trey Lance at this point because he's your backup. So you go with your best player to win the game. So that's how I feel. But like you told me, 
You can't give up three first-round picks and don't play them. So I guess we got to rock with it. That's a tough deal. All right, I appreciate the call, sir. Take care. All right, you too, Kevin. Thank you. Always like when – he look, I can't stand his team, but I always like talking with Dwight because he talks reasonable. I mean, he, he just – he talks sports. It's not a bunch of crazy talk. So always enjoy when Dwight calls. All right. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll shift gears to high school football. Karen Crow High head football coach Tony Corville next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Two footnotes before we get to our special guest. Want to remind you tonight is the debut of the McNeese State Cowboys Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed of Westlake and the Southwest. Louisiana Law Center, our good friend Jim Gazzolo will be the man in charge of this operation. McNeese Coaches Show will be broadcast from Maplewood Burgers on at 4453 Nelson Road from 6 to 7 right here on the game. 1037 and 1041 Lake Charles starting tonight. It's going to be going on all year long, so from 6 o'clock. To 7 o'clock tonight, they will be previewing, well, looking back and what they learned from the Rice game one week before the Cadence play Rice and looking ahead to Saturday's home opener against Alcorn State. Uh, Alcorn played very competitively with uh, Stephen F. Austin, lost 31-27, and then kind of got their hats handed to him by Tulane last week, 52 to nothing. So uh, both teams looking for their first win. Should be an interesting matchup, and you can hear that coach's show tonight with Jim Cazzolo from 6-7. to seven. All right, let's go to our special guest, Karen Crow High head football coach, Tony Corville. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Kevin. Hey, man, I like that coming into some Steely Dan right there, and that's pretty cool. Oh, man. oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you see, Hannah's too young to even know who Steely Dan was, but you and I know that uh, I, stuff, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Exactly. I'm definitely telling my age right now. Yes. <laughs> All right, so when we last spoke on the air, you were telling us how y'all were going to be road warriors, and man, were y'all really road warriors? Two very, you know, two pretty good opponents, and y'all just handled them. So, pretty impressive start there. Well, yeah, uh, you know, Kevin. Uh, obviously, they're two good programs, and we were very, very uh, worried about those things. But I, I, I got to say something. I think the coaching staff has done a tremendous job on both sides of the ball, uh, preparing the kids both weeks. And then, obviously, the kids executing the plan. It seems like not having seen those teams on film, uh, I've seen them in the past, and it seemed like your past defense uh, was was going to be tested in these two matchups more than most teams that you would play, and y'all obviously passed. So it, was that area of the field even a little better than y'all thought it was? Yeah, we, you know, we definitely knew we, we had some young guys back there, and it was, you know, we would have to – take them through the fire and everything, but they, they performed pretty well. You know, we were able to, uh, both both games, we were able to uh, make them one-dimensional and shut down the run, and then we knew they were going to have to start throwing the ball, and so we were able to do some things to force the issue on the quarterback and, and uh, 
very fortunate to do at both games. Now, you know, I saw different, just looking at the box scores, different offensive heroes. It wasn't like one guy who's just been like all-world numbers the first two games. One game chance did real well. Keenan Ryan had some other guys had moments. What did you, what was, did y'all kind of execute the game band like you thought, or how did that play out, the offensive part of it, over two games? Well, like I said, I think uh, the offensive side of the ball, they did a tremendous job uh, with their game planning and, and preparing the kids to be able to play it in, obviously the, the kids executing it. But, yes, uh, and, and I think sometimes we're going to uh, – Games defensively, people are going to try to take away certain people in our offense. And once we figure out, you know, they're going to try to take away Cashmere, you know, Chance and, and King is going to have a, a pretty good night. Or, or they try to take away the quarterback, the two running backs are going to have a pretty good night. So once we figure out what, what they're trying to do to us, we're going to exploit the ones that they've given us. In terms of your quarterback, Chance Caesar, I know he last year got cut short with an injury, which is always disappointing, but. Uh, are there certain areas of his game that you've noticed through two games to where he's progressed from last season? Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, that injury caused him to, you know, to be on the shelf for a while. What, what he landed up doing was studying the game more. So he's he's a more of a student of the game this year, and it's really showing in his play. Uh, you know, in his, his, when we have to throw the ball, his pass progressions. I mean, he's one of those kids that uh, – he knows the entire offense. He knows the blocking schemes and, and obviously the routes and all those different things. So that helps him a whole lot. He's able to read defenses a lot better. You know, another year in the system. And like I said, with his film studies, it's really helped him out. Have you noticed, and I know last year, y'all, you know, you, you probably lost more games than you wanted to. But it, it these first two games, how much of it has to do with your kids just expect to win, even if you're going on the road against good teams, and I'm sure that helps in their preparation as well. Well, you, you're exactly right, and uh, I, I just did a, a, a newspaper uh, interview, and I told them the same thing. We, you know, we believe that our our preparation is our separation, you know, and that uh, in each week that we're going to prepare Monday through Thursday, you know, we feel like when we walk off the field each day, we need to be a better football team each day. And that those kids are actually, you know, they believe in it and they've uh, sold on, you know, they bought into it and they've sold on it. So that's what they do. Uh, as far as those first two games, you know, we knew they were going to be uh, tough opponents. And to go on the road, you know, we, you know that in the, in the end, if you're going to try to wreck a run at it, you're going to have to be able to uh, win games in uh, unfriendly confines of uh, other people's stadiums. So we were happy with that aspect. Uh, I think some of the way we, we uh, the way we travel, you know, we don't, we leave here at the last moment possible to arrive there within an hour and a half of the game, so we're not, you know, laying around too much and stuff like that to give them too much time to maybe uh, get lax or, you know, not not focused. Um, y'all have, you know, going back decades, always seem to have elite defensive backs, but it's also mm-hmm. a big part of is is winning the line of scrimmage. Is, is it fair to say that? Both of these games were essentially one on the line of scrimmage that y'all had the advantage in both of those areas, or where? How do you feel like y'all did on the line of scrimmage both sides the first two weeks? Uh, no doubt, you're exactly right. Uh, we, uh, you know, on, on both sides, uh, offensively, you know, we established our run game with the dominant blocking. I mean, if we had, you know, if we had, if I had to buy some uh, some pancake syrup for those two games, I'd probably have to buy a couple of cases. Those guys were really dominant. And then on the, on the defensive side of the ball, we uh, having to you know reset the line of scrimmage on their side of the, the field was 
very uh, evident that was the main reason why we were able to be successful on the, on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm sure the Karen Crow Bear fans are excited to be back at home, and that game again can be heard from the Karen Crow standpoint right here on our family of stations, Z1059 FM or the Southside part angle from Mustang 1071. And speaking of Southside, my memory is they played y'all pretty competitively last year. What do you remember from that matchup, and how do you think that could kind of play into to this matchup? Well, you know, this will be the fourth year I think we played them, and every year it's been a, a battle. Uh, Coach Fontenot and his staff have done a tremendous job uh, with that program and getting them to where it's at now. I think they, uh, you know, from, we've seen it firsthand from year to year, the, the progress they're making, uh, and that's a tribute to him and his staff and also to the players believing in their schemes and buying in. But, yes, uh, I mean, uh, they're really clicking really well. They, uh, you know, we, uh, we're very concerned with the, thing, the, the things they present to us on both sides of the ball. Now, you know, I did the preview for, for the advocate and advocate on them, and they talked about they were going to be doing some things a little differently on defense. And, you know, last year they changed their offense and it kind of had some growing pains. And this year they changed their defense and they were expecting to really maybe have some growing pains. But it seems like the defense has really carried them through these first couple games. What are they doing? What have you seen on film that's a little different? And uh, what do you, how do you kind of assess their defense right now? They're very well coached, they, and they got some good athletes on all three levels of three levels of the defense, defensive line, linebackers, and in the secondary. You got some good athletes, and we affectionately calling it the Mouton Mania because that's Coach Mouton's. Uh, it was kind of a neva which we saw a few years back that Southern Miss kind of started doing. So they they won't line up in the same place, and they move around and stop the ball. They they're going to their responsibilities. It's so all they, about they, chaos. It's all yeah, about I mean, chaos. I'm sorry? It's just they're creating chaos, it sounds like. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Mouton chaos, exactly. And uh, we, uh, you know, we're having a hard time trying to simulate in practice because uh, if you don't know, the, you don't know how they're doing things. But we, you know, we're figuring some things out, don't get me wrong. But it definitely presents uh, a preparation problems for you. And then I was still on Friday nights, it's, it's creating problems for both their, their opponents, their previous opponents. Now, what they do on offense. It's going to be pretty different what you've seen the first two weeks, correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, we're going from two uh, spread offenses with, uh, I'm talking about when we got on the board, uh, both teams having 25-plus formations to now going to about five or six formations. And, that, you know, they're, they're from our breakdowns, they're 80-20 run the pass. So it's been the other way around for us where it was, you know, 70-30 pass and, and to run. So now yeah, it's very run-oriented. Uh, run uh, we have to be very disciplined defensively with our eyes because they do run options. So, you know, everybody has to take care of their assignments on every given play. So, uh, we know we had, know that, again, the defensive lines have to reestablish the line of scrimmage to have a chance to win and lose. Uh, you know, our linebackers are going to have to make sure they're, they're reading their keys very well. Then the secondary have to be able to line up and communicate what they're seeing. And then, again, the eye discipline. All right, so tell me, what is this going to be your first District 3-5-A game in what, about four years? When, when was the last time y'all were in this district? Well, I, I think it was eight years ago, and then last week was our first district game, but this will be our first home district game. We played Barb last week. so. Oh, that's true. That's true. Last week, but well, I, 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 I'm still not – you You know, I kind of got yeah. used to y'all being in 4-A. But yeah, last week was the first yeah, home district game, so – what, what in general, what has been the reaction, fans, players, coaches, to being back in this district so far? Well, you know, to be quite honest, it, it, it 
hasn't been a real adjustment. I mean, we, we're fixing to get ready because that's straight district all the way through now. Because uh, we were playing a lot of these as common opponents for non-district games. You know, played Lafayette High, played, obviously played Acadiana, we played Narberry, we played Southside. So, and then we played other schools, you know, West Monroe and Ruston and Washington Parish. So we kind of, you know, other than when we got to district, we were playing five-year schools. So it had, you know, now the full season is yet to be determined. But, I mean, right now everything's going pretty good. I mean, the kids are just, you know, they, they're focused. We put the ball down. Let's go play. Well, I don't know that y'all could have gotten off to any better of a start. So congratulations and look forward to that, that game uh, Friday at home against Southside. Should be a good one. And, uh, you know, then we'll get on um, to the rest of the 3-5A schedule. Appreciate your time, Coach. Congratulations. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you. I appreciate your support for high school athletics, man. Thank you, Coach Tony Corvell, Karen Crow High. Man, what a great job they've done. That's true. Last week was a district game. Uh, against Barb, I'm you know this uh, playing district games in week two is just it just doesn't seem quite like it should be, but that's that's the reality of this situation here. All right, appreciate Coach Corville coming on. Should be a good one between them and Southside on Friday. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All games. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. Houston Astros, if you would like to get in on the game hotline, we don't have an interview scheduled for this segment. So you could do so by calling 706-0111-706-0111. Want to remind you, the Cigar Merchant RP3 will be there, as well as the game, 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles on Friday from noon to one o'clock at the Cigar Merchant located 1001 Coolidge in the All Center. Just like we mentioned earlier with Hannah and Acadiana Bar and Grill, you can go and spin the wheel where put yourself in position to win UL football tickets, LSU football tickets. So make sure you swing by the Cigar Merchant in the All Center. Talk to RP3. You can congratulate him on his commanders being 1-0 and on the season with their little new quarterback, Carson Wentz. And, um, talk a little uh, college sports, high school sports. RP3 can handle all that. So swing by the Cigar Merchant. Try to win yourself some Cajun and Tiger football tickets on the prize wheel on Friday from noon to one at the Cigar Merchant, located at 1001 Coolidge in the Oil Center. Um, again, the game hotline is 706-0111. I mentioned we were talking high school football with Karen Crow coach Tony Corville in the previous segment, and I mentioned yesterday that there were a lot of Thursday games. I actually, for, I actually misnamed. There's actually six of them. I said five, and I didn't have the schedule in front of me, but now I do. So tomorrow, 
again, if you want to go see high school football, if your favorite team plays on Friday, you say, well, let me go see one of these other teams play. Here are your options. New Iberia coming off its first victory of the season, the first victory of the Josh Learman era. So congratulations to the Jackets on that win. They will be playing at Acadiana tomorrow night. Uh, St. Martinville at Brobridge. Um, you know, St. Martinville's 0-2. Now, they've lost to two good teams. They lost to Cecilia and they lost to Notre Dame. But still, they're 0-2, so I'm sure – Coach Derwin's Tigers are not in great mood right now, and they're going to be uh, – Coach uh, Zach Lockard is in his first year at Brobridge, so this is going to be his introduction into St. Martin Parish football rivalries. Uh, they'll play Cecilia later in this season, but play St. Martinville tomorrow at Brobridge, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in that game. Opelousas Catholic at Port Barry is tomorrow. That was the game that I had forgotten about. Uh, Catholic High of New Iberia is at Erath. You know, Erath lost a close one to Lawrenceville the first week and then had a nice win over North Vermillion last week. So um, kind of getting going, playing a little defense, and they can throw the football certainly with, with Lincoln Romero and Paulette, et cetera. So we'll see what happens if the Erath can kind of get rolling a little bit. Iota at Crawley. Crawley had a really nice – under the radar, one of the more – a little bit of a surprise because Crawley was kind of struggling – uh, they struggled in week one, but had a nice win over Northwest last week. And they will host Iota, who's played a real tough schedule and gotten off to a slow start. But they can put up some some points and got a lot of different weapons. So that should be an interesting game. Iota at Crowley tomorrow. And then Washington Marion at Cecilia. Every reason to believe that, that Cecilia will win that game by many, many points. But still got to play the game. So six games. You got a game at Cecilia. You got games at Crawley and Erath and Port Barry, Brobridge and Acadiana, all over the Acadiana area, six games to more. As far as Friday's schedule, um, plenty of good options there as well, really. Uh, really pretty good week. Um, you know, I think the sneaky best game of the of – the, or one of the best two or three games at a lower classification is Lorville at Vermeen Catholic. Vermeen Catholic's off to a tremendous start. Uh, two impressive victories, Lorville as well. And so uh, you got Lorville at Vermeen Catholic. That should be a really nice game, um, you know, a 2A school against a 1A school. So not 4A or 5A football, but a really good matchup. And then we've already talked about Southside at Karen Crow with Coach Corville in the last segment. Uh, Sulphur's at Lafayette High, Notre Dame's at Como, Lafayette Christian's at Jesuit. And yesterday we talked about St. Charles at Turlings with Coach Chaponche and Brother Martin at St. Thomas More. So some really good matchups. Uh, Northside's at home. So, man, seems like all of Lafayette Parish is at home tomorrow. Got a lot of teams in the real close to the – to the KDNA and to Lafayette that that are that are going to be playing at home and that Avoyles team, if you were uh, in St. Landry Parish or northern part of Acadia Parish and you heard the interview yesterday with Coach Chaponche about how crazy it is to play Avoyles in the kind of the the really unique way of playing football, well you don't you won't have to go real far because you can go witness it yourself. Avoyles will be at Eunice tomorrow and Eunice has, is off to a uh, a really nice start to the season. Really been explosive on offense. Maybe even a little more explosive than I was thinking. So uh, that'll be an interesting matchup. And rain at Church Points, another good game. Just one. Ascension Episcopal is also at home against Patterson. I think, man, Lafayette Parish is playing at home. 
other than Lafayette Christian, who is playing at Jesuit. So just wanted to kind of catch you up on the high school football schedule. Certainly anytime you want to talk about any of the high school teams and matchups and thoughts there, um, feel free to give us a call on the game hotline, 706-0111. Um, day game again today, as I said, you've got um, – Astros trying to wrap up a seat, not only a series, but a season sweep of the Detroit Tigers. They'll play today around noon, and you can hear that game right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. And so we'll see how, how, if the Astros can continue. They've been hitting. So, you know, I think they've had like three or four straight games now with at least 12 hits. So, They've been hitting lately, and we'll see if that slows down, if they can still win, which is, you know, 3-2 to two is kind of how they've been winning um, a lot of the season, 4-2, to two, those kind of games. So we'll see if they get back to that or they continue to hit. Uh, it's it's good to see, like I said in the first hour, Yuli hit a little bit. He hadn't been hitting. Um, El Pedro Grande has been driving the ball, which, man, I was starting to wonder if that ever was going to happen again. But he's been driving it, so hopefully – that is a great sign. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to our friend Rockefeller. Hello. It's funny how things have changed over the years and stuff. You know, you you became a more rational man and everything. You kind of calmed down and everything. You know, compared to the old days. I remember back in the gap, not not the not too far gap. It wasn't that long ago, but I remember those days. You wouldn't give the forty nine a fan the time of the day. Now nah, you sit down, you talk with them, you even give them sympathy, you tell them what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And what's uh, oh, yeah, I mean, don't mistake. Things have changed I, a whole lot. Because I remember when I well, I remember that guy named Ron that used to be a 49er fan. And Bob, and, <laughs> ain't nobody wants to talk to Ronnie. But these other 49er no, fans, well, people sit no, down, talk with them, drink not, coffee, have fun. That's all not fair. Stuff, man. I, I, I never have a problem with discussing teams that doesn't mean I ever root for his team. I don't. I don't want his team to win, and I love when they lose. But that, that doesn't mean I have always talked about. I've always talked to. Te- if someone calls and they want to discuss their team situation, I talk to Yankee fans. I talk to Braves fans. I'll talk to anybody on their situations. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I kind of understand. You, you you do talk to them on this situation, but the thing is, like I said, everybody get a little different version of Kevin Foot. At, at that time, you see, I know this is a little bit different. 49ers is a little bit different. Cowboys is a little bit different. Packers is a little bit different. Boston Celtics is a little bit different. But uh. like I said, things things you really you really became a rational man over the years. Oh no, I don't know about you, that. I, I don't know you, about. <laughs> speaking of rational man, I'm glad you brought this up. Our friend Paul. Let, let me tell y'all what happened, okay? And you tell me, you tell me, Rockefeller. If I, how we should handle this. During Sunday's game, I was really nervous that the Saints were playing really, really bad. And Paul's in, in, in the Fantasy League, so we have our Fantasy League chat group. So Paul said somewhere around halftime or the third quarter that the Saints look terrible. We're not, we, it's looking like we're not going to win any games this year, 0-17. So Ooh, when, 0-17. So when – when the game ended and they won and Paul was talking, I said, Paul, you, you, you got a two-week suspension. You can't text for two weeks. 
And uh-huh. so now, because uh, you said 0-17. You said we were going 0-17, okay? And so, and so and so after yesterday, I, I was kind of feeling bad. And so I said, you know, should we reduce Paul's suspension from two weeks no. to one week? No, no. Add two more weeks to remember. <laughs> he, he, became a, he, he became a Boston Celtic fan. He was pulling for the Celtics. Don't give him no break. So he don't deserve a two-week notice. Give him another two, a month. So, Paul, if you're listening, do not call this show. Do not call Kevin. Oh, no, he Don't can call the show. I never said he couldn't call we, the show. We talk to you. I, I, I didn't say he couldn't call the show. I said he couldn't text for two weeks. So I'm thinking about no, no, dropping no, no, no. it to one week. He can't week. call the show either. He can't call the show. No, no, no. That's a no-no. No, you can't do it. And the man said weeks, we're not going to win a game all season. No. No. I mean, we might as well put him out for the season. <laughs> you want to put the same time. I mean, oh, come on now. You might as well put him out for the season. Put Paul's IR or IL. Either one of them. Put Poor the man Paul. on the IL. That's where he belong. Kevin, one more thing before I go. Our line, look, everybody's been praising DeMario Davis. We love him. He's been he's been the guy. He's been an all-pro caliber player for the last couple of years. But we need another linebacker, Kevin. We do. Well, we do, Kevin. Our leading tackler so? was the other linebacker in Sunday's game. I mean, we probably might might say we need another and a third one, and and you know, I I I I just don't know how often they play three linebackers. I I don't know. Look, it's Captain America did not have a great game, no question. But I I think a lot of that is scheme. I don't know what it is. The Saints cannot defend a running quarterback. They just can't do it. I they just I can't. Think, they can't. I do think it. we need one more run plugger. Well, I mean, one more I, run plugger would help, you know. Warren's well, still young and everything, man, and everything, you know. But another veteran wouldn't hurt, man. But, and uh, I've been talking gut, about this for the last two years with Demario Davis because he can't do it every, every everything. He can't run the show every week by himself. I agree, but somebody needs to tell Gus that the football season started. I know last year he yeah. was suspended the first six <laughs> weeks, but someone needs to tell <laughs> Gus that you're not suspended this year. You can go ahead and play. <laughs> they need to give that right, cat permission right. to hey, play. I'm actually, well, I'm actually one time you. One time before I hang up, I got to hear it one time. When your pitcher is going crazy, you don't have an idea what he's doing. You a hot batter. He can't get you out. What you supposed to do as a hitter? Just stand there. <laughs> Just stand. That's all you got to do is stand there. It's not that difficult. Once you overcome the fear of getting hit by a ball, it's really nothing. Like, just stand there. It's not hard. Bye, Kevin. Y'all have a good one. All right. No, look, because I let – because people call and I'm courteous. Now, if you call me and you start talking trash and, you know, downgrading the Saints or just talking trash in general and acting all extra cocky – then, you know, I'll certainly talk to you. The, the conversation may not be that pleasant. But but Dwight is not like that. He roots for the team I hate. He knows I hate him. But Dwight, when he calls, he's always very respectful. We have nice, calm conversations. I, I got no problem with that. I don't have to like the team you support. But if you talk respectful, I'll talk respectful to you back. That, I got no issues with that. He's not. He don't act like an elitist. He don't do none of that stuff. So I got. I got no issues with with Dwight, other than I hate the football team he supports. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out today's show. 
next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Yet a man, the man said, oh, in 17, oh, in 17. That'd have been a hard lick going 0 17. I don't think it's going to happen since they're 1 0. But anyway, want to remind you Dickie's Barbecue Pit, it's another opportunity for a two for one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, again, you can get a $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for just $20. That's $40 deal for half price. Going to AcadianaDeals.com today. Take advantage of that opportunity. Have a nice meal, Dickie's Barbecue. Um, you know, I'm, you don't get a belly like mine by being real picky, but I certainly would um, enjoy a nice meal from Dickie's Barbecue Pit. So hopefully you could take advantage of those fi- savings tonight. The other thing that I thought about, because guess what they're talking about now? I, I don't know. Again, it, it is what it is. The Dodgers have already clinched into the playoffs. No, they clinched their division last night. I think I heard, if I remember correctly, the Astros' magic number is four to win to, for the playoffs and nine to clinch the division. Well, it might be eight now because Hannah's Little Mariners didn't score a run last night, if I saw that correctly. Got beat two to nothing by um, the Astros' good friend, Hugh Darvish. Um, and, and so because they're talking magic numbers now, it hit me that the playoffs are not that far away. I gotta tell you, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm ready. People say, "Are you ready?" I'm not ready. I can tell you right now, I ain't ready. Now, my emotions. If if the Astros go out and perform real well in that first game series, I'll probably be a little more ready. If the Saints, um, like lose to the Yucks. And then the Astros lose the first game of their playoff series, first playoff series, whoever that's against. Uh, I, 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 oh man, I'm I'm gonna be an emotional wreck. I, I I don't know if I'm ready to. I got I don't I really don't know if I'm ready to be honest with you. Man, the Astros have been very kind to me the last few weeks when I really needed it. So I very much appreciate them. Um, what they've done. So hopefully they can keep it up. But to answer to the question, I really don't know if I'm ready. All right. I appreciate Coach Corville coming on, and I appreciate Koki as always in your phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.